Hey, what's up? It's Sparky. Welcome back. This week's episode is 157, and it's a tribute to my friend. Tribute to my friend Lumpy. Um, on the 22nd, it'll be his birthday, and unfortunately, he's not around to celebrate it anymore. Um, he would have been 36 years old. Um, he was an amazing friend. Wild, caring, larger than life, funny, troublemaker, but in a good way. And this is uh, a tribute to him. Um, one of the things I do um, to deal with this pain, this pain that'll never really, it'll never go away. It'll just be something I have to deal with and be a part of me forever, but in a much better place than I've ever been with this stuff. It's been 14 years almost, and I've learned a lot and come a long ways, but something that I just can never shake are some of the, the good stories, and this is one of those stories. Unbelievable, but nonetheless a story about my friend and what helps keep him alive. It's called On a Rim. When you're a hillbilly growing up on the outskirts of a famous rodeo town and want to party outdoors, there's one place to go, up the Malala River. A lot of high school dreams were made and broken up there. My junior year, we lost half our football team's starters to a terrible party that got broken up by the law. But that's another story. The Malala River Corridor stretches for miles up into the hills of the Clackamas County and goes on past the town of Malala for at least 20 miles or more than I know of. Probably more. Rumor has it there is an army base or armory of some sort up there. I'd seen a few instances of convoys of green Humvees and other big trucks driving around there very seriously. A dense wooded area, once the playground of freak shows like the Green River Killer. Very secluded, and the locals have always used that to their advantage, and you can bet your ass. My buddy Lumpy and our friends and myself followed suit. Cops would show up occasionally, but that was due to some wise-ass snitching, a convict on the run, or someone crashing their rig, or the party information getting leaked on the early days of social media. <coughs> Sorry for the dry throat, jeez. Nonetheless, Upriver was a favorite destination of old Lumpy, and the stories those adventures produced sit heavy with me. In high school, I went up, I went to one party. Drove my friends, didn't drink a sip, but my friends drank way too much, puked everywhere, and acted like assholes. One was so drunk that we had to literally throw him through our other friend's bedroom window because he couldn't stand or walk. I didn't feel an ounce of bad when he went end over end through the window and landed at, ass up on the floor next to the bed. They also had to wrestle in a tournament the next morning and karma took care of that 
I didn't get my first taste of the keg parties and horse fucking around upriver until I had finished my first year of college. The second night of summer vacation that year proved to be epic. Lumpy showed up at my house in a new car, a beat up 1990s, maybe late 80s Chevy Blazer, forest green with a cream top, probably only running on five of the six cylinders it had. Lump had some somehow souped this fucker up. Nothing new, but the kicker was that it had no muffler. Loud was an understatement. But that was the way he liked it, and I couldn't help but love it too. It turned heads in all the worst ways, and we laughed all the way to the store to get some errands done for his mom. She told us to be careful on that goddamn box with those bald fucking tires. I vividly remember that. Finally, I realized on this drive we had no music. And this was a high crime in our circle of friends. I pointed in the direction of the loose and dangling wires where a radio should have been. Lump, where the fuck's the stereo, I shouted. No need for a stereo when your rig sounds this hot, Sharkles, is all he could say. I had a madman on my hands, and I couldn't be happier. Your average Joe would have been put down with that type of philosophy. Not Lump. He was not human. He was more than human. He was a hybrid. He was an unstoppable energy. In the same ballpark as a superhero, but with all the super, without all the super bullshit. Just true grit. Toughness and no fear. In the midst of running around town for Lumpy's mom, we got word there was a party brewing for the night. Upriver, Lumpy said. He spoke the magical words in a very frightening way. His eyes grew large, and he got that wise fucking smirk on his face that equaled trouble. We're going to get shit house, dude. He smiled and hit the gas. We blasted some townies with the unmuffled sounds of Lumpy's chariot, and I flipped the jokers off. No time for lanes. We must get our party pants on. The party was at Kager Rock in the gravel pit to the left of the main access road. Some of our younger high school buddies were throwing their senior party up there, and our mission was to crash it. Smalls and his cousin showed up with three Costco-sized boxes of booze. All the liquor one could fit in a box for nineteen ninety-five. It was straight out of the movie Superbad. I had never seen this type of deal at the liquor store, but Small's cousin insisted he had the hookup. However, this dude was three sheets to the wind, and I got the sense he was old enough to work at the liquor store. That was nothing compared to the fact they didn't know what was about to go down with this party. Earlier in the day when Lump and I had found out about the party, we both got on the horn and let all the jokers know where the party was. Words spread like wildfire. Things took off organically like the good old days of parties. Text chains and phone calls or running into them, driving and eating out or at a grocery store. And we would just say, hey, do you hear about the party? 
people just kept showing up. They couldn't believe all the free booze. Smalls kept telling Lumpy and I to watch the boxes, and we said, all right, but just watched people take the booze. We took our fair share as well. I didn't have any money at the time. Lumpy and I were professional car can collectors. Shout out to the old Thriftway Malala that had the sneaky bottle and can return in the back. That fueled, fed, and bought drinks for us for a few summers. Staff knew us by name, and we always saw the people we didn't want to see from school when we went. What a trip. Every joker I'd ever known from Malala was there. Even some of the dirty bums and crackheads that used to hang around the Y Market. In the back by the dumpsters. Around the bonfire, I shit you not, there was a dude on the run for murder. He had a warden and everything. I'd seen his fucking face on the news. People kept whispering about him, and I was getting paranoid. I felt him staring at me. And Lumpy noticed, too, which made no sense. I had no clue who the fuck he was except for the news. The warden didn't scare me, though. I met killers and outlaws before, and guess what? Some of them were nice and cool. But not this guy. He looked like a Generation X balding burnout with evil eyes. Eventually, he heard Lumpy say something about eye-fucking us. The crew crawled him out, and it was rocky from there. He started yelling at me, said I looked like a cop and a snitch. I said, you don't know me, man. Then he said, who are you and where are you from? And I replied, I'm Casey Swain, a sports fucking legend from Alala, Oregon. Who are you? Convict then said, well, I ain't heard of you, little boy, and you better watch your fucking mouth. Ooh. I was acting a fool, buzz and acting two inches taller than I really was, all piss and vinegar. I felt threatened by this guy all of a sudden and ready to rock it if it came to it. This is a major story of my life. People with all kinds of negative energy and karma testing me out of the blue in the strangest ways and in the strangest places. People from other schools getting together from my experience, always ends in a fight. Just hearing Malala, Oregon City, or Colton got people's ears perked up and the adrenaline going. The fat, bald wangster got all sorts of people riled up and the party started to move into chaos. People were talking real big and running through the fire trying to throw haymakers like it was an MMA fight. These people from Colton that were hanging out with the Wangster began running to their rigs because they realized they were outnumbered and out and definitely not wanted. They didn't run fast enough because the good old boys got to them again and began putting the boots to them. I will never shake the image out of my head of Disco Dan punching through the open back window of a Ford Ranger like a madman. Literally stuck his arm in the open slider window like Gumby and was hitting that guy's dome with not all of his strength, but enough to look like a rock'em sock'em robot through the window as we all howled laughing. 
It was so dumb and funny it hurt. These people had no idea of the animals they were messing with. They burned out in the gravel, spitting it all over us, but that was funny too. Things cool, cooled down after that, and we all went back to the bonfire. And that's when Lumpy grabbed me and he said, It's time to get the fuck out of here, man. It had been a wild night. Lumpy had been doing cookies in the gravel pit in the shipbox blazer with bald tires when the party was just starting to get crazy. I remember hearing everyone in the blazer screaming with joy as Lumpy did cookies like a pro. He was in his element. He loved to live on the edge and live dangerously. A lucky fuck and he always made it look cool and effortless. But lucky only lasts so long. After ten rides or so, Lumpy lost control and hit the pavement on the main road of the on the edge of the gravel pit caught traction which instantly blew the front right tire on the passenger side the loud boom rang out into the night boom everyone by the fire jumped for cover they thought it was a gunshot then all you could hear in the distance was lumpy laughing and screaming about his successful destruction of the tire that game was down. <laughs> that game was done, and we all went back to drinking and not thinking about the blown tire. At one point, Lumpy had tried to knock out Small's cousin for talking too much jive to us about the missing booze. And he wouldn't stop talking about where the booze went, who was going to give him money, and who drank it. And we laughed, but he didn't. He just kept talking like a fool in circles. The cute girls were puking behind cars, and this one crazy cowgirl walked right into one of Lumpy's haymaker punches that were destined for Small's cousin's dumb mouth. Crazy thing is, that cowgirl got right back up, unfazed, and started beating the piss out of her boyfriend who laughed at Lumpy's terrible misfire. We were telling her to get back and not to get in the middle, and she walked straight into it. Lumpy was right. It was time to go, but we couldn't drive for many reasons. I said, no, man. Shut up, dog. We're leaving, he said. No, it's not happening, Carrie. We cannot drive. I never called Lumpy by his real name unless times are serious. He looked at me with a stern face, head tilted to the side. We're leaving this shit show right now. I'll fucking blow this car up, I said with a smile on my face. Obviously out of my mind, but I kind of meant it. Oh yeah, motherfucker, Lumpy said with a smile. Yeah, Lump, and I will beat your ass too if you drive us out of here. He just stared at me again. I was about to lose my shit. I couldn't let my friend drive like that. Then he started laughing. Gotcha, bitch. We're not going anywhere. I packed sleeping bags so we could crash in the car. You son of a bitch. He had me going, I said. Oh, sparkles. You know you couldn't stop me if you tried. 
Go to sleep, you jackass, I said. We both passed out once we got snuggled in the sleeping bags. At 7 a.m. on the dot, I can just see the clock going flick. Lumpy yelled at me to wake your ass up. And he shook me. Dude, it's 7 in the fucking morning. Hung over, and I should have known better. We need to get home ASAP, pie boy, or my mom is going to flip the fuck out. Dude, she's already going to flip the fuck out. Dude, what about the fucking tire? Yeah, I remember the tire. So what's your point? Uh, we can't drive a mile on it, let alone all the way back to our house. Like 12 fucking miles. Sure we can. No fucking way, man. Let's call a tow truck. No way, I'll take all day up here. And we don't have any service on these fucking cell phones. So what do we do? We're going to drive home. He fired up the engine, and we took off at 10 miles an hour. The blazer was limping badly, like a wounded fucking dog. And I knew that tire wasn't going to last. I made it from up... It made it from upriver, and the tire was just barely hanging on. Flapping away like a duck with a bum foot. No sight for the inner... For the innocent or the old people. Just ugliness. At the Meadowbrook store, Lumpy lost his shit from going so slow and decided to test the tire at a higher speed. He floored it and didn't look back. Just past the store, there was a loud BOOM! And the tire went flying off the rim. It hit someone's mailbox and the tire destroyed it completely. And we cheered. Yeah! It was one of, it was one of those. It was a one in a million shot, epic fail, for the history books. And but now, we had no tire, just a rim, and we had to climb Meadowbrook Hill. Lumpy stopped. And I told him there was no fucking way, man. We can walk from here. We made it this far, and we can't pussy out. He yelled. I shrugged my shoulders. He hit the gas and we slowly climbed the hill with a tireless rim. It was making the loudest screeching sound. It was ripping my ears apart, like nails on a chalkboard times a million. And on top of that, the rim was scraping the road so hard it left a giant white trail. I was sure we were waking up the entire neighborhood. People were outside watching. They yelled and pointed and covered their ears. And Lumpy just laughed his ass off and drove on. He liked getting a rise out of people. And so did I. But this was over the top. And somehow we made it back to his house. We quickly jumped out of the blazer to see how bad the rim was. It looked like a little smoldering, balled-up piece of lava sizzling there. His mom was horrified and just shook her head. I fucking told you so, she said. And it was this amazing thing she loved to say to him. And when she got the chance, she always doubled down. And that joker just took it as a challenge. 
There was always a slim chance it might work in Lumpy's book, and that was good enough. And it just made his life interesting and exciting. This rim had shrunk from 15 inches to probably about 5 inches in diameter. It was unbelievable. We did the unthinkable. It was a major victory in our book, but the rig was toast. And down for the count. It had seen its last adventure. He had just got it in the late winter. That rig didn't make it past the beginning of summer. And that was not uncommon in lumpy folklore. Three years later, there was still a large and noticeable scratch mark starting at the bottom of Meadowbrook Hill and ending at my driveway on Lost Canyon Road. That's roughly a distance of three miles. Thank God the city never charged us. Sounds epic, right? Try living it. Love you, Lump. Always keep you alive with these stories, bud. And anybody listening, you lost a loved one or anything you love or any person you love, you do have to let go, but it doesn't mean you have to forget. Um, and it takes a while, but the best medicine is to try to find the, the, the good stories, the positive stories, the happy stories, the funny stories about the things and people that you've lost, because it makes it a lot easier. Happy hunting. Until next time, peace. This is the Pie Boy Podcast.